welcome to But Her Lyrics, the show where we delve into the meaning and politics behind each song from the new War on Women album, Wonderful Hell. I'm Shauna Potter, singer and lyricist for War on Women and your host. This episode, we're tackling a song with a history, a story, track 10, The Ash is Not the End, or Taint for short. I regret that already. Please no one get that acronym tattooed on you. It's not nearly as cool as you don't tell me how to live. Thank you. Uh, Or I guess if you do, I'll give you like $100 because that's nuts. So this is a second to last track on the album, which means it's the second to last official episode of the season. (laughs) Listen through the end of this episode because I'm going to ask for your help and I want you to hear me ask you. So just listen to the whole thing. Okay, let's get into the song. The lyrics pull from a few different sources. Uh, One is from my upcoming interviewee, Ian Danskin uh, of Innuendo Studios. And so I'm going to talk with him extensively about that, uh, as well as the band interviews that come later. Um, But another part of this song was inspired by my buddy, Derek Zanetti of the Homeless Gospel Choir, who we've been lucky enough to tour with a couple times, uh, thanks to Anti-Flag. And we've gotten to know him over the years, and he's a, he's a good friend. Uh, one time he came through Baltimore and played the sidebar, but it was just him and an acoustic, playing on the floor, standing up, uh, singing songs, um, his songs and some covers. But he played this one song, and part of the lyrics really, really, really stuck with me. So let's hear, in his own words, a little bit about that song. Sean Potter, Derek Zanetti here, reporting live from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. No big whoop. Hello to War on Women and all my friends there in Baltimore. I hope you are well and enjoying um, the summer. Lord knows I am. Anyhow, I wanted to send you this little voice memo about this song that I used to cover. Shawnee asked me about um, this song about the uh, filling up the potholes. And I used to cover a Wingnut Dishwasher Union song all the time called Proud in Manhattan. And um, I love this song so much. And I love the way it makes me feel when I hear it. And I love to play it. I played this song live. Uh, I just did like a cover song of it uh, every once in a while. And I think I was on tour um, with y'all, War on Women and Anti-Flag, whenever I first started to play it at, at, the, at the shows. And... Um, uh, you know, Pat sings with such an urgent way, you know, in such an urgent um, way, and it makes you really believe in what he's saying. And uh, uh, Proudin was a French, uh, a French thinker, and he uh, asserted that property is theft. And I think, uh, in a way, to weave uh, Manhattan and uh, Proudin's teachings, this song was kind of birthed of that. And the particular line that I wanted to share is, uh, and the anarchists have started filling potholes and collecting garbage to prove that we don't need government to do these things. And that, that line sticks out to me too, you know, because I, I, I do think that um, in an ideal world, in an ideal way that we wouldn't need to have people collect our trash and we wouldn't need government to keep us safe or, or protect any type of, you know, border or anything like that that in a perfect utopian world, 
um, anarchy doesn't look like, you know, spray painting and busting out windows. I, it can certainly, but in my humble mind and in my thought of it, you know, anarchy looks a lot like, you know, making a real big cake or a real big casserole and sharing it and then cleaning up afterwards and providing people with opportunity and, uh, providing uh, fair fair wage and fair work, and maybe not necessarily money, but other things that people are interested to. And um, yeah, so like the idea, uh, this, this song also like would always bring me back to the idea of anarchy and what I think it, it is or what I think it could be. And you know, in an ideal situation, an ideal world, you know, anar anarchy looks a lot like, you know, cooperating to create something that's different and better that everybody can benefit from. And so, yeah, I think that's why the line resonated with me, and it still resonates with me. Um, you know, I don't play that song live. It's been a number of years since I have. Not to say that I wouldn't, um, but yeah, I like that song pretty good, and I love uh, Ramshackle Glory. That song, that record, uh, Burn the Earth and, believe, and, and Leave It Behind, was recorded right in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, if you believe that. Um, uh, anyhow, uh, have a great day, y'all. I love you so very much. I think that you're the best. I'm glad that we're friends. Thank you for asking me to say this thing on your pod, uh, on your podcast, Shauna. Um, uh, heck yeah. Um, I'll talk to y'all soon. Okay. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you, Derek, for, for sending that in to me for the podcast. That's super cool. Um, I didn't know it was a cover song until getting ready for this episode. Uh, I just thought that Derek is a genius, but yeah, that idea of anarchists would be filling all the potholes that, People would see a problem and work towards the solution and not wait for someone else to solve it for them. And, and, and even more than that, instead of just complaining about the problem and, and reveling in the fact that other people are failing, to then step up and say, well, we'll take care of it. We're going to fix this for ourselves. The, the, the true meaning of, you know, punk and anarchism is not to just have a mohawk and be like, fuck the system and <laughs> that's it. You know, it means DIY for real, doing it ourselves. Because we can't rely on people in power to do it for us. But we, we have to take care of each other. And so, yeah, that just that 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 theme is 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 constant in this song. And, and I think that because it's the only song really that I wrote in between uh, Capture the Flag and Wonderful Hell, that that the theme of The Ashes Not the End, uh, you can sort of hear it in the rest of the album, Wonderful Hell, uh, that things suck, but we can we can do this. We can band together and make it better. So that that's 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 where this all comes in. Um, it also should be known that we are not a band of like extensive recording sessions and uh, having a bunch of demos and having a bunch of like extra songs sitting around. We have people asking us all the time to contribute songs to compilations and we just always have to be like, well, do you want something that's already been released? Because <laughs> that's all we've got. Um, we just kind of, we whittle it down in the bare bones stage uh, and then kind of only work on the songs that are going to make it on the album. And basically, if something's not good enough to put on the album, it's just not good enough yet, period. We don't want anyone listening to it. So at some point, 
we were asked by Adult Swim to contribute a song to their singles series. And that seemed like a good enough excuse to write a one-off and record it, right? Uh, they were giving us some money, so we had a budget to record, which we don't often do. And so we just kind of churned out a song in between tours and, and album cycles. And, and that's not something that this band does a lot. So that was very cool to do and, and interesting to... Uh, we're going to talk about all the versions of the song that that, that, that we've had uh, in the band interviews, but it was just very cool to be able to sit with a song for a while and see, okay, can I do this better? Uh, just as a vocalist, I'm sure everybody else felt the same way. Like, what what do I want to change? And, you know, how's the feel? Could that be improved? So that's kind of a neat thing. But all right, so to the interview. Uh, my guest is Ian Danskin a.k.a. Innuendo Studios. He makes video essays about games, web culture, and social politics. I found him because our very online bass player, Sue, uh, recommended his video series, The Alt-Right Playbook, and Why Are You So Angry, when I expressed an interest in maybe writing a song about Gamergate. I didn't end up writing, you know, The Ash is Not the End, didn't turn out to be exclusively about Gamergate. Um, but honestly, that's in large part to how interesting I found Ian's videos. Interview time! Hi, Dan. Introduce yourself. Uh, my name's Ian. Oh my God, what? Why do I have Dan <laughs> written down? That's Well, that's staying in. Jesus Christ, it's been a long day. It's been a long pandemic. Ian! Hi. Ian, hi. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Ian Danskin. Um, That's the... it. It's because your last name. Come on. Yeah, All right. You got to give me a, that. <laughs> this is a common thing. It's actually become a meme on the internet now. People call me Dan even when they know it's not my name. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm glad it's finally made it to a podcast universe. Um, but yeah, I'm the, the host and creator of the YouTube channel Innuendo Studios, uh, and I probably best known for my series on far-right rhetoric called the Alt-Right Playbook. How does one become a popular YouTuber explaining stuff that attracts probably a ton of trolls, right? Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know how one does it, but it happened. Um, <laughs> I was kind of a gamble of like, I have this thing that, uh, you know, once... Uh, the former president who shall not be named got elected. I, I had uh, this need to like, I need to do something with all this anxiety I have about mm -hmm. it. And I know that feeling. Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, how can you stand to do this? I'm like, I don't know. How do you stand to dealing with anxiety and not make something out of it? Mm. Um, and, you know, I was mostly like a video gaming YouTube channel at the time. And I just made the first alt-right playbook, uh, out of some notes that I had left over from a different series I'd done before. And it ended up being like the most popular thing I've done. So um, it's actually made the channel more popular and more successful. I think that just speaks to how necessary the oh. information is that you're providing. <laughs> the very um, least the algorithm likes it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe just putting alt-right in the title bumped it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so when did you know it needed to be a series and not just a one-off? Uh, well, I can't, 
I apparently can't do anything in short bursts anymore. Um, <laughs> so like I did this series uh, several years ago when Gamergate was still happening um, about like anti-feminism in the video game community and about like kind of using that as a doorway to talk about like male entitlement. Where does it come from? Um, and originally the plan for that was like, oh, I'll do one video that's two parts, one sort of talking about anti-feminism in video game spaces and then one part talking about here's the rhetorical tactics I see these people using a lot and then that first part ballooned into six parts um and that became the whole video and I was like okay let me shelve that list of tactics and then with the rise of the alt-right and the 2016 election it became clear like okay so these tactics are still in play um some of them have evolved uh there's some new ones but a lot of the core underlying stuff is still there so um, I want to take that idea again. And instead of it being like one big video, that's like a list of things, I'll just do a bunch of small videos. And then, you know, none of the videos are small anymore. <laughs> um, I was curious, did you get a chance to listen to the song? Yeah, I've listened to it a few times. Oh, OK. What do you think? You don't have to like it. I just mean, oh, no, like, it's good. what do you think? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, did anything stick out to you as far as how it relates to the alt-right playbook? Well, you you told me that like you you felt that they related um and so i was definitely like reading the lyrics like what is it i'm like okay i can kind of i think i can kind of see i'm really i'm more curious like what how you think they're related though oh um well and i talk about this in the top of the episode but um some of the lyrics were pulled from my notes when I was watching some of your videos, um, mm. I'll just take notes. So just write things down, phrases, things that are interesting. Um, and, and so that idea of like, Hey, you're, you're a really great guy. And, and it's not your fault that no one likes you or that you don't have a girlfriend or, um, but here's this community of like really hateful people that totally support <laughs> you. So why don't you just join us? You know, um, that, that idea really, really struck me. And I kind of had that in mind, uh, throughout the writing of the song. Yeah. I think I was thinking it was along those lines. <laughs> I, it's great to ask the person who wrote it, what it meant and then say, yeah, that's totally what I thought. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, do you think it's safe to use the terms Gamergate or alt-right in the description of this podcast episode? Like, how likely am I to get doxxed? Uh, well, it is always, it, you're, you're gambling. Um, okay. Podcasts are often very safe for talking about these things uh, because there's no transcript of the actual things you say, so they're hard to search. Mm. And um, most pricks don't listen past the first couple of minutes uh so a lot of like i've listened to podcasts where they're like we can say anything after the first five minutes and no one's gonna get mad at us and take it out of context that's incredible but if you put it in the title yeah some people will find it and it's just kind of a question of are they looking at the moment that it's out there and then when they roll the dice on uh do we want to ruin somebody's life does your number come up you know mm -hmm. so um I've always been very lucky being like a cishet white dude that uh, my number has not come up yet, uh, even though I like I'm poking these people with sticks like oh, professionally, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and I've gotten some crap, but never the the full life ruining stuff that some of my like colleagues have for doing far less than I do. Um, but your number might come up easier than mine. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually since we started the band, I've kind of just been waiting 
yeah. for for something like that to happen. Um, and I'm frankly quite surprised that we don't get more rape and death threats, that we haven't been doxxed. Um, and I think it's luck. I think it's just uh, my number hasn't come up yet. Um, and But I've also wondered if it's because, like, I think we're an actually angry band, like an actual threatening, angry, serious, intimidating band. When you see us live, maybe not in some of our goofy promo photos, but um, it's not like. Uh, I think I think it's easy for men to maybe make fun of Riot Girl, mm. uh, even though that anger is like real and valid. And and um, and I fucking love Bikini Kill, you know, and stuff like that. But the fact that it is girl in the name, that it's like they're not technically proficient <laughs> at their instruments. Um, and obviously that doesn't matter when you're making like really great music. Uh, but uh, I could see how it'd be easier for one of those kinds of dudes to dismiss them or a band like them. But then they look at us and they're like, oh, shit, this band is for real. But maybe I'm mm. just like full of myself <laughs> a little bit on that. <laughs> they, I don't think they could listen to the record and say you can't play. Right, right. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's just there are so many people whose lives they can ruin that they can't ruin mm. them all. Um yeah, maybe we're just not popular enough, actually. I think, I mean, maybe. I think our social numbers are low compared uh, sure, to others. But like, I have seen them pluck someone from utter obscurity, right? Like one of the chief targets of Gamergate was um, Brianna Wu. Um, and at the time, she was not known by anyone, right? She was just a random woman who tweeted a joke at Gamergate's expense. And they mm -hmm. were just like, this one. And there were thousands of women doing the same thing. And they just they just picked one. Wow. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, it's also depressing to me when you say, like, it's surprising that we haven't gotten more rape threats and more death <laughs> threats. Not, you know, we haven't gotten them. We haven't just, gotten zero. We've gotten yeah. more than zero. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so I, I just spoke about it, but that, that idea that I talk about in the song that I got from your video, the idea that if you're lonely and angry, someone telling you that you're not alone and that mm. you're right, that idea is going to be really enticing can can you speak to that mentality a little bit? Um, and this is covered in your video series and people should watch it, obviously. But <laughs> but uh, just what are you thinking in regards to that in this moment? Well, one of the the big sort of things that I learned when I was researching actually like more traditional like uh, white supremacist groups like people like Hammerskin Nation or Aryan Nation, things like them, um, is so much of it is about like culture and community. Um, a lot of like it's actually hardcore punk is the entryway for a lot of people like skinhead oh no. punk, like oh boy no. music, you know, Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, you clearly are not a skinhead, <laughs> um, but I can see you on camera right now. You have hair. So that's true. That's true. You heard it here first, people. It's uh, they come in and it's for the community that that they come into these spaces. And then it's just, oh, what the price of admission for this community is, um, I should shave my head and talk about the glory of the European race. Um, and at the time that seems very abstract, right? Cause it's like, look, I'm just, I'm just here to mosh. Um, yeah. and then that slowly like goes farther and farther because you're in community with, if anyone in your community is pushing it a little farther, then it's kind of like, well, you can either let that person leave the community or the whole community can kind of start going with them. 
Um, and so you see a lot of these things like, and it's not just, you know, skinhead music, like it, there's neo-folk paganism has got a, a big foothold with this sort of thing that as well. Terrible. And so many of my videos are about like, yeah, and they do it with like the Star Wars fandom. They do it with video games. Mm-hmm. It's any space where you're like, hey, this feels like my people. And if my people say that these other people are the enemy, well, I'm not going to leave my people over that. Um, and then it's just this slow upping of the ante until your whole community is this way. And you don't even strictly speaking realize that you've adopted it as well, just because you're going with the flow of the people who matter most to you. The interesting contradiction there though, is that a lot of these spaces are also like, they're so antisocial. Um, like the incel community is so about like, you go into this space where people are literally telling you, yes, you are alone. You will always be alone. You will die alone but at least you're with the only people who are honest about it. Huh. It's like this kind of anti-community community. Right. I mean, people really like to feel like they're the underdog. Um, there is some glory in that. Mm. And it's just the, just the wallowing, <laughs> wallowing yeah. in self-pity, like that that can feel more comfortable and easier than doing the work to get out of that kind of hole. Yeah. And like, you want to shake them sometimes like just listen to Elliot Smith, like a normal person. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, something else that stuck with me. Um, and it's actually something from your video series. And it's actually something I reference in my bystander intervention trainings a lot when I speak about online harassment, because no matter what I'm, no matter what kind of training I'm doing for bystander intervention, they're like, okay, cool. What about online? And I'm like, oh, that's its own thing. That's its own hour. But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I give them a couple tips. And and one of those tips is from your videos, the idea of, you know, you can help a victim of harassment online by, quote, putting on a show for the uninformed. Can mm-hmm. you explain this concept to everyone listening? It's like... I always think about, well, you have these two different goals, right? Uh, One can be, I want to change this person's mind. And one can be, I just want to contain what they're saying so it doesn't infiltrate the rest of the community. Um, So sometimes it's very good to take that person aside onto like direct messages or something and be like, hey, where is this coming from? And like, you have to have this, it's very time consuming, very emotionally uh, draining way of interacting with a person. But if you have the time and the relationship with them that you can do this, you can figure out, what actually is your individual like path that is taking you to this place? And you can, it's almost as difficult as getting someone out of an abusive relationship. So like uh, it can take a really, really long time. You may not succeed, but you can at least maybe plant some seeds that will, you know, flourish at some point later in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times the more like, putting on a show thing is about like, okay, I need to like not engage with this person directly, but Hey, if I'm a respected person in this community where the rest of the community is going to listen to me, we're going to talk about this stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about it more broadly and less like in argument with this one person. Um, but we're going to like deconstruct where this comes from. And we're going to try to take control of that narrative. And like, I'm going to put you in the mindset I'm going to put you in my mindset rather than like start with here's their mindset and here's why it's wrong. But like, here is my mindset and here is uh, the frame I want you to start thinking. And I'm going to take some time to build that frame up. And then by the time we look at this, we're going to realize, oh, this does not jive with the actual ethics that we have, um, which can only usually flourish if they have remained unquestioned. 
Yeah, I uh, I really, really like the idea of acknowledging that we're not always in a position to change one person's mind, right? And that it mm. is a process. And if you don't have that time or that relationship or that privilege uh, to, to be in that position, to take them aside digitally, um, then there's still something else you can do. And that's that's just make sure that you show other people that there's an alternative viewpoint basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to make sure that anytime there's like nonsense getting spewed around that the truth is tagged into it somewhere so that people who see it also see it challenged. Um, yes. But you also, as much as possible, want to make sure that like, it's not always attached to the nonsense, but that you've also got like, hey, can I make sure that I am the thing that the nonsense has to try to get attached to? Mm. Um, so that we're not only just reacting, but also like, we are taking control of the narrative as much as we can. Um, I want to ask you about your new video series, COVIDs. <laughs> what is that all about? Oh, that was um, the All Right Playbook kind of went on pause when the pandemic began, uh, in part just because I was really stressed and anxious. And um, I've been doing it for, I've been doing it for like three years at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it was very difficult. Like I try to take a break every few episodes to talk about like, here's a game that I love or here's a movie that I love. Like here's something fun and interesting and me just going down my little rabbit holes. Um, and it just seemed so draining in the summer of 2020 to try yeah. to make these long, deep, like the next video was supposed to be about like, okay, let's really talk about systemic white supremacy because you can't talk about the right if you're not talking about how integral race is to like American conservatism um, and American liberalism, if we're being honest. Right, right. Um, and that was just so hard and so daunting that I was just like, I, I'm going to look through those list of topics I had before I was primarily a political YouTuber. And just, is there anything I just want to grab and run with that I could turn around fast and be very fast and loose and not overthinking things. Mm. Um, and so that was the COVIDs was just faster, looser, easier videos that were originally supposed to come out more frequently. Um, which, you know, as is always the case, like the ambition slowly scoped up and they got longer and more complicated and came out less often. Um, but it was just something that I could do with all the buzziness in my brain. Um, so even really like it's, it can be any topic like, oh, here's a video game series that I really liked and it ended recently. And here's some thoughts I have about it. Or like, here's a problem I see with Dr. Horrible. But then, um, <laughs> but then like all the protests started happening over the summer. And then I was like, okay, I need to say something about the demand for nonviolent protest, uh, especially in instances where the police are being violent with the protesters. Um, and I've come across some of that in my research. So I needed to talk about that. And then again, like uh, all of the stuff started to get more complicated. Like I, I was like, oh, let's talk about why the right yells cuck at people. I'm like, I'm going to get a little autobiographical here and I'm going to talk about that's no way to avoid talking about misogyny and racism if you're talking about that and my last video was like i want to talk about daria but i guess i'm also talking about neoliberalism <laughs> and uh the failures of capitalism and uh so i have like one more i intend to do and then i'm like i'm ready to be back on the alt-right playbook yeah you're yeah. you think you're mentally there well the the script is done uh, now i've just got the problem of i can't sit at a desk because i have a spine injury so I'm hiring an animator uh, for the first time, which is going to be interesting. Um, but maybe but, good. Yeah, it's going to be 
it's time to learn how to collaborate again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been a one man band for so long. Ask so for help, you know, time, time to get a drummer, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that's sort of exciting and sort of daunting. Learning new skills is always terrifying. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Obviously, we're all wishing you the best with your injury and hope that you <laughs> yeah, heal you. well and quickly. Um, uh, at this point, it's too late to be quickly, but <laughs> well fair. is a hope. OK, OK, that's good. <laughs> Um, how can people find you and what do you want to promote right now? Oh, I am Innuendo Studios pretty much everywhere I am. So, um, I'm on Twitter as Innuendo Studios. I'm on Patreon as Innuendo Studios. I'm on YouTube is my main thing, Innuendo Studios. I'm still technically on Tumblr as Innuendo Studios. <laughs> uh, mostly it's where I post transcripts of the videos, uh, for anyone who, um, is like auditorially impaired. Um, and then uh, sometimes I also like write little like micro reviews of uh, adventure games. Um, just like here's some thoughts on an adventure game. All right, cool. Um, is are we the kind of band that you would normally listen to, like a punk band? Yeah, like I don't listen to a lot of punk, um, but I I like good punk. Um, and so not us. Got it. No, I'm just I, <laughs> I was impressed. I was like, okay, someone I don't really know on the internet, uh, they have a punk band. Hopefully it's not too bad. Total crap. And then I yeah. listened to it. I'm like, actually, this is pretty good. Um, I will absolutely take that. I yeah. Will absolutely so take that. Uh, I've listened to the album all the way through. I've listened to uh, Ash is Not the End a few times now. Um, and like, it's it's a toe tapper. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What's your favorite punk? Um. Not, not person, punk. but band, band. I mean, <laughs> that came uh, out weird. I've got, I've, I mean, if we're calling it punk, like I've got a soft spot for Fugazi. Uh, Ian Mackay, you know, has my name. Uh, um, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the shape of punk to come, but I refuse. It's the best. Uh, I know, I know it's a really basic answer. It's like saying your favorite rock album is OK Computer. <laughs> um, but, and then like, I kind of came to it through, there were a lot of sort of like hardcore punk bands in my hometown. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of like a lot of people listening to like Converge. Um, uh, I really like Botch, who, yeah. you know, I didn't find until after they'd broken mm -hmm. up. But like so like Mathcore was kind of a big mm -hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I it's kind of reminded me that I've been off of punk for too long. Um, I just recently like a friend of mine was talking about how uh, her kid is, is like four years old and she's really into heavy music. And my friend is like, I don't have enough heavy music. And I was like, do you want me to make a playlist of heavy music? That's fun. Um, and so I made a, a playlist for like this four-year-old. And then I realized as I made it, like there's too many male voices on here. I need to find some women who rock. Um, and so that's how I discovered the Nova Twins. Um, and I actually really like their album. So I don't know who that is. I'll have to listen. Yeah, yeah. Check them out. Uh, I think you'd probably dig. Cool. Well, and put us on the playlist, dude. Come on. Well, it's too late. I've already made it before I found you. But um, also, are you on Spotify? Yes. Oh, good. Great. I was listening to you on Bandcamp. Yes. Uh, cool. Then, yeah, the next one. Okay. Phew. The next four-year-old. Teach them young. Um, well, Ian, thank you very much for spending some time with us and talking about your series and talking about the song. I really appreciate you even during a spinal injury, uh, <laughs> bothering to put on the headphones and chat to some lady you don't know. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for the well wishes. And thank you for showing me your music. It is actually really Aww. good. High five from Baltimore. 
yeah. Bing. <laughs> High five from Boston. Yay. So I'm hoping if you haven't heard of his video series before now that you will check out all that Innuendo Studios has to offer. Thank you, Ian. It was a pleasure to meet him and chat with him, especially considering he had to do the interview on his stomach to rest his back. It meant a lot that he would bother to talk to me at all in that state. Um, you know, and it was a pleasure to just make him listen to our band, this internet guy. Uh, that's what all these interviews are, really, just a slow and painful process of acquiring one new fan a month. But, you know, I'm in it for the long haul, y'all. Worth it. The official sponsor of But Her Lyrics is First Defense Krav Maga, so go check them out. You can be a sponsor too. Join me on Patreon, support this podcast, get a shout out and tons of perks and access to exclusive and behind the scenes stuff by becoming a patron today. So big shout out time to the best patrons in the world. Uh, recruit Stefan and Yulina, meatheads Melissa, Lauren, Zachary, Galen, Byron, and of course our sponsor, First Defense Krav Maga. Um, so patron, patron daughter, Yulina, has a question. She asks, were you more nervous when you released your first record or at the release of your latest one? I think my, my well, if we're counting War on Women, because um, really my first record, I made a cassette worth of music when I was like 15 years old, uh, 15, 16. I think I've told a little story about that on a previous episode, actually. Don't play it for my parents. Um, I, so I, I had no expectations. I just had, we just had songs that we wanted to get down and we thought maybe we could sell a couple copies, but it, like, it was just, it was just our hobby, like straight up our hobby. But you know, the same is true for War and Women now that I think about it. Um, we'd, again, we'd all been in other bands before. It's not our first rodeo. We're all of a certain age. Um, but we just started this little punk band on the side and, we just wanted to get our songs down. So we were able to record in a, in, at Magpie Cage, you know, so nice studio. Um, we did most everything ourselves to save as much money as possible. Um, our friend Katie Otto put out the record on her label, Exotic Fever Records. Um, and that was like an easy, no signed contract kind of deal, you know, handshake deal. Um, but again, we just wanted to get our songs down. So we, we didn't really have any expectations. So it was just nice to have a, it's just always nice to have a finished product. And I think with the latest album, you know, after doing this particular band for 10 years, finishing it in a pandemic, I think we just felt good to be able to release it at all. I didn't really want to sit on it for an indetermined amount of time. You know, we didn't know what was to come. We still don't. Uh, so I didn't want to sit on it until we could go on a tour. But, you know, but it was weird to release an album when you're not even getting ready for like a record release show or, or, or a tour. So it felt like a little bit of a letdown once the hoopla was over. There was nothing else to keep us going um, for a while other than this podcast. Thank you, everyone. But it was also a little less pressure. And so I was less nervous because there was no like show or tour to get ready for either. Um, we just got to be like, here it is. Here's this thing we made. Okay, bye. So I'd say, strangely enough, uh, I was not nervous for any of these. I was probably more nervous for Capture the Flag because it had a little bit more of an expectation on it um, to do well. Okay, time to hear from the band. 
what do they think of The Ash is Not the End? Uh, the Ash is Not the End. Oh! This is a song we've recorded before. You can talk about that and then talk about this version, how it's different, what you like about it. I, I like I like this song. Um, it it was a new song that was written before, um, you know, it was before this album it, and we submitted it to Adult Swim. So it, it was like really fun to just have this one new song that, that came up. And I, I remember learning it before we, we were going to play it on at fest or something. So it was one of those times where I wasn't going to get to be with the band and play it with y'all, which usually I do a lot of practicing by myself, but then we at least usually play together like one time when we leave for tour and then we'll practice in the hotel room and, and warm up at sound check. And, um, so this, it was, uh, I had to like learn to sing it and play it. And then we did it live. And, um, I thought it's like a real rockin' like yelly kind of kind of song. Um so I already liked it, but then this version on the album, it's like completely re-recorded, uh a different drummer like Michael had played drums on the old version. Um he was playing with us for for a little while during that time and and on that recorded version also that went out to Adult Swim. And so this version is, is just different. Like Dave is a different drummer and, um, and we had a lot more time to sit with the song over that year before re-recording it. And that's something that you don't always get that op like that opportunity. We didn't record all the other songs as a, <laughs> and put it out and then have a chance to go back and, and do some revisions. But I think there's always a few things that you're like, Oh, I would maybe change this or change that. So we got to do that. And uh, so, yeah, now it's even more rocking and it's got that like fight down. <laughs> and I like the, I really like the chorus of that song too, like playing the riff of the I, I am jealous of, of not being able to play that riff. Like, yeah, that is a moment. That is one of those rare moments in this band where I'm like, damn, I wish I was playing guitar in this band right now. Cause that, that riff seems so much fun. Yeah. Just sit in it, you know? Da, 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 da. Yeah, and it's got like a slide and it's got a little bit of weird timing. And then you sing the backup vocal in the middle of like playing that part for the, like, it's all just a mat. And it, it's not, it's it's not at all, it's a completely different like singing rhythm than the playing rhythm for that part. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, much respect to that song. <laughs> I will bow down to it. Two more songs. Let's yep. get through it. Okay, okay. So the ash is not the end. Any thoughts at all? Uh, uh, this, you know what? Um, we've talked about, you know, I've talked with uh, Jen Arkey and Dave about how this was a song that was been recorded before, but um, you know, I can talk to you about how you sort of gave me the idea or the impetus to, to, to write this song. I did. You, you started. Yeah. You, you told me about some, um, uh, like some videos on YouTube that maybe help people to uh, combat white nationalism. Oh yes, I was online or like hate comments or something. How, how would you put that? Uh, I, I I remember now. It was um, Innuendo Studios, uh, the alt right playbook series, which I recommend mm -hmm. to everybody. Innuendo Studios, uh, amazing YouTube channel. Like, like really the best stuff. It's basically like, here's how to not fall into a trap of alt-right stuff and here's what they're doing and here is these terror their tactics and so now you know them don't waste your time with that shit 
you know, and like, um, you know, somebody is going down that road, here's how to help them, you know, like, yeah. and uh, I, and it's, and it's all like really just presented in a very clear and, you know, just like easy to under, like you can, you can show it to your mom, you know, and like, yeah, <laughs> it's just a helpful resource. And, and, and so you, you, you sort of pointed that out to me. And so I just started watching uh, some of those videos and kind of pulling lines and ideas that I thought were interesting. And, um, and that's how, that's how the ashes, not the end came together. We should send them a copy of the record. What do you think? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I think they, I think yeah, they're I think they're based in. They'll be like, "What the hell is this?" No, I've talked to them before. I think they're based in Boston. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like so, whatever. I'll I'll handle that. I'm the extremely online person who is um constantly watching the leftist stuff, um, and aware of all the weird factions and infighting. You know, <laughs> like I uh -huh. uh, I go. I don't know if anyone else in the band goes down that rabbit hole, but I do just so you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> like, Thank um, you, yeah. So if if anybody, like, I just want to give one more plug to this book, culture warlords. Okay. Just came out. Talia Lavin. She's really good. Goes into the detail of the freaking crap that's online. And then also, gives you resources on how to fight it and fuck it up. It's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Good wreck. The Ash is Not the End. Right. So this one, Brooks loves this song. Uh, he loves, it's his favorite song on the album. And yeah, this is the one that like, there were already several versions of this song. Yes. And then, you know, I got to take a swing at it. Yeah. So what, what, what version were you listening to? Uh, before, uh, you know, writing your own parts to it or tweaking it uh, in your own way? I, I tried to not listen to it ah. as much because I didn't want to take too much uh, from uh, from the other stuff. I wanted to try to make it as original as I could to have a little bit of a different approach. But um, probably uh, the version that I did here was uh, the one that you guys did for Adult Swim. Okay. Yeah. With, uh, that had Michael Habeth on drums yeah. who was helping us out at that time, uh, on a lot of tours, uh, another Baltimore dude. And so big shout out to Michael for all his help during yeah. that time period. Yeah. It's a great drum part and it's fun to play. It's weird. It's like not your basic <laughs> beat. Um, but we yeah, do like I, being a little weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's good that it's weird. It's like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like a sporadic, unpredictable kind of thing. Um, but I'm I'm glad that uh, that Brooks likes it so much. I think it's I think it's great too. I know what he means when he says it's his favorite mix. There is something like really particular about the mix of this song, like just sonically. I don't know what it, it sounds is. Like, different to you than it, other songs. Yeah, it does. It's like I don't know. The guitars are kind of popping out in a in a different way. Uh, your vocals are really sharp. Like you know, the drums sound great. But like yeah, there is something. I don't know. They're like, there's that moment in, in songs sometimes where you can really hear every single thing that's happening. And I feel like in this song, you can really grasp onto each individual part of what's happening in the song. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that we had recorded another 
version in the same studio with Jay Robbins and then therefore had something to compare to. Right. Uh, whereas we didn't with every other song. So I'll be sure to ask Brooks about that. Yeah. Because uh, that is interesting. Okay, I didn't actually ask Brooks that specific question of why is this mix so good, but I think we still get his opinion about it in a roundabout way. So check it out. Ash is Not the End is my favorite song on the record. Yeah? Yep. I just think it turned out really well. I love the arc of the song. I think the playing is good. Um, I think the vocals are great. When I listen to our record now... I'll listen to it all the way through and then I'll go back to Ash is Not the End just to hear it again. <laughs> I just really like it. It's got everything it's got everything in the song that I like about rock songs. What are those things? Well, um so the first riff is is kind of catchy, but it's an odd phrase, so it's a little off kilter, which you know that I like. It's got a palm muty sort of driving chorus. And a catchy vocal line that's not particularly melodic, right? Um, yeah. It's like a lot of one note, but there is a really cool thing to it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I don't. I don't mean to agree with you. I'll say thank you. <laughs> Especially when the harmony comes in, it gets a lot more melodic, you know. But it just sounds really powerful, and I think you sing it well. And uh, it's got two guitar solos in it, which is stupid, but cool how, how do you feel about that i feel good because you like I'm, i gotta have two solos no I, it just seemed like you know i never do i never cram something in just to do it like it just musically it seemed appropriate to have a guitar solo before the second verse and to have a guitar solo after the second chorus you know bands like rolling stones have like three guitar solos in a song you know so it doesn't <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, and I like how it changes at the end. That, that part's really good and layered and really rich harmonically. And I love the, how the feel changes at the end, in the middle of the end. And I love how the end of the song is just breaks down to just voice and guitar. I don't know. It just has... I'm really happy with the tones of all the instruments. It's just cool. You know, I spoke with Sue and Jenarchy about the fact that we recorded a different version of this song uh, mm -hmm. with Michael Habeth on drums, helping us out. And shout out to Michael. Um, after recording that version for Adult Swim, uh, was it always on your mind that we would record it again? Was it just an option on the table to figure out at another time? Uh, did, were you not thinking about it at all? Uh, no, I, I always wanted this song to be on a full length and get the full studio treatment. Um, the interesting thing, there's been a lot of versions of this song. So I did the original demo because we knew, we knew we needed a song to, for Adult Swim. They asked us for a song. So I made that demo and then we recorded with Michael on drums and then we did another demo with Dave and then we then we recorded it for this record and so all four of those versions were like complete versions 
And that I think that's why I'm so happy that it turned out so well, because usually when you do a song like that, you've just beat it to death and the final version yes. sounds lifeless and boring and you're done with it and you wish it sounded like the demo. And yeah. But for whatever reason, this song just needed time to grow into what it became. So in my mind, I always, um, in a similar way that we did You Don't Tell Me How to Live, we released that as a single on a 7-inch. Right. And the only other time we've done anything like that. Yeah. And I was I liked that song so much that I was like, well, it's got to be on the next record. Same way with this. I was like, I know like that song is good and it's finished. And there's no reason that the only way people can hear it is uh, as a single on Adult Swim. So, right. uh, yeah, I, I absolutely wanted to record it again as as the band that we are now, because I knew. I knew kind of what it would become. That's right. We've only really done this one other time with the song You Don't Tell Me How to Live. So uh, we have some friends in Baltimore that for a little while had a seven-inch series. Um, They're called Girl Problems Records. They approached us about putting a song out, and we thought, you know what? This is a really cool thing. Let's, let's make the effort, right? Let's write a song for this. And I actually remember the rehearsal pretty well. Like We were just kind of like, okay, let's write a song right now. And we don't often do that. I feel like people come to rehearsal with ideas already. We're not often just like fully improving uh, all together like that. So it was it was it was a unique experience all around. Um, and we recorded in like the back room of the Baltimore Free Farm, which uh, has no acoustic treatment whatsoever. Just a big a big uh, big room, big concrete room. Uh, so yeah, very, very funny, very weird, but fun, um, experience. And I, and I barely knew how to sing this song. Like I had never actually sung it at full volume and I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. And so I was really glad to have another opportunity to record You Don't Tell Me How to Live, uh, later on. So anyway, I don't know if it's, like, we sold out of our copies. I don't know if it's available online anywhere, but you can certainly look up, uh, Girl Problem Records out of Baltimore, You Don't Tell Me How to Live, uh, from back in the day. Anyway, keep listening to hear the song The Ash Is Not The End in full. It's off War on Women's latest album, Wonderful Health, which you should snag any way you can. Uh, thanks to Brooks Harlan for chopping up our song, Her, to create the podcast theme song. You can support this podcast and this band by sharing, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast. It's free, and it helps. And you can do so many things, uh, supporting us with a little bit of money, too. Uh, you can buy my book. You can buy WOW merch, including our new beach towel and matching flip-flops. Uh, You can learn about upcoming tour dates, watch videos, campaigns, booking, whatever, 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 by going to the War on Women link tree at linkter.e slash warwomen. And join my Patreon to help me keep this podcast going. Join in at the seeds level at only a dollar a month. Uh, You can also donate uh, annually for a discount. Or you can donate more, of course, for bonus stuff like extra episodes, behind-the-scenes info, and rosy slideshows. As per usual, I will post my lyric book scribbles for this song on Patreon, but for this song, they are mostly notes I took while watching Ian Danskin videos to research the writing of this song. Um, But you gotta be a patron to see it. 
and maybe a doctor to read it because my handwriting is very bad. Uh, we only have one more official song after this. You guys, is this podcast coming to an end? This project to connect with people when I couldn't tour? I don't know. Uh, why don't you tell me? Let me know on Patreon or social media. What should I do after this? What do you want to know? Do you want me to cover more WoW songs? Is it still a podcast? Should I talk about safer spaces? Should I do an advice column? Should I interview people? I don't know. Pending any disasters, I'll be on tour from mid-October through the end of November 2021. We have that long to come up with some ideas. Patrons will get exclusive behind-the-scenes tour access of the band and as much of Alkaline Trio and Bad Religion that I can sneak without getting in trouble. But after that, the future is ours to shape, and I want your input on that. So let me know. And until then, stay safe so we can elbow bump at the show. <laughs>